I'm Rach. And I'm Norris. And this is Revival Nuggets. The show where we get excited about revival and the bringing of life to the seemingly mundane. This is The Job Pod. Norris, I actually can't imagine what life is going to be like when you're fully employed. I know. Our friendship's going to go down the pan. Absolutely. You're like thoroughly... (laughs) accessible for any reply at any time of the day but apparently um, sorry but I mean I try and play a bit hard to get <laughs> thoroughly accessible <laughs> but no you're right you will 100% be shafted the second I get my full-time career back <laughs> anyway you should actually tell everyone what you do in detail because I feel like they would love to know Everyone loves it. Everyone's like, oh my gosh, it sounds so glamorous. And it's like, it's so not. When you said you worked in film, I was actually so impressed. And I actually still am. But it is it is a really glamorous job, I think. Well, to be honest, it was the same as you. I felt the same way about you. And you said you worked in counterterrorism. I was like, oh, check us out. <laughs> so I... So I'm what's called an assistant director. So we basically facilitate what happens on sets. It's almost like jack of all trades, master of none. I have to know what everyone does. But I also, my main trade is in kind of communication, really. So making sure everyone knows what's going on the whole time, answering questions, being ironically very on timing, which is, yeah, which is strange given... Given my relaxed nature with regard to my uh, my personal life, the the other job that's quite ironic that I do is making sure everyone's quiet on set and I'm easily the loudest person on set. Um, but it's uh, it's fun. You get to um, yeah liaise across the board with say like stunts with the cast with the action vehicle drivers with the transport people. There's like there's such a fun just connection that you can have with everyone and actually even talking about it I missed it I was on the common yesterday and bumped into one of my friends that works in the makeup department and we were like oh one day one day what is the thing you've most enjoyed working on oh all sorts it all depends on the team really rather than the show the most recent one I did was Lethal Y which is the uh part of the strike novels that JK Rowling writes and that was like a really lovely job because cast and crew I honestly cannot wait for that to come out on the BBC oh my gosh I remember (laughs) you were so excited when I said I did that (laughs) (laughs) anyway we really should get on with this pod but actually fascinating hearing all of your your job chat this pod we um we actually want to talk as the title and also the intro is suggested about jobs and and kind of the workplace and how we can bring life into that place and see it revived um I definitely, no, I actually don't know if you found this, but I found, particularly in the last few weeks, like so many mates have found it such, at least people who are in jobs at the moment, because I realise so many are actually furloughed or unemployed just because of the state of the world. But those that are in jobs are actually finding it so hard, like really mm-hmm. exhausting or navigating team dynamics or um, delivering stuff or the mundane of like literally the grinding day to day that has very little variety or people in their teams lacking motivation I just feel like there's quite a lot of heaviness around it yeah I guess if something stressful happens at work usually you've got your team to kind of have a laugh about in the kitchen or to at least vent whereas you know there's no one to really vent at at home and and to get out a lot of the emotion and there is something in I was speaking to a guy yesterday who's an engineer and he was saying I was was like I never thought I'd be desperate to get back into the workplace there's something about human nature I think 
that we are designed and created to work and and it's within us that we want to do that a to contribute to society b to build on our own skills c to interact with people around us and d to make money it's kind of like our whole humanity is based on that desire to work and so what we've done is basically shift that entire concept and it's funny because I think often I often get challenged by the fact that I'm like I don't want my identity to necessarily come from my job or my lack of my job or my employment status or whatever but actually so much of almost the first question anyone says hey what's your name and then what do you do so defining isn't it in society like of who we are and and whilst that definitely is the case like I love hearing about all your film stuff because it's so part of your day-to-day but there is actually so much more that makes us up as people and characters I heard um I was listening to your church's online service and um Pete spoke about the significance of yourself not coming from your job and that for me right at that moment was such a powerful message to hit me because I think I was probably feeling a bit like oh you know oh I've kind of I liked feeling like I was really good at something professional but he was just reminding me actually your significance does not come with your job your significance comes with who you are in God and what he has put you here to do on a day-to-day basis Mm -hmm. um and that was I just found really encouraging it's quite releasing isn't it you can almost then dive further into what you're doing in your job without the pressure of it being the very thing that gives you significance it I guess it means that failure is less of a huge problem because not everything in your life is geared towards success so when when we fail actually like that vulnerability I've had runners that are really struggling on set and they say oh gosh how do you cope with it and I'm like you should have seen me two years ago. I was drowning. I was failing. I didn't know what I was doing. And actually, to be able to be vulnerable with them and to share that experience, like that's so much more powerful than being successful. And sometimes you can pass it off with a quip or just say, Joe, well, go get a cup of coffee. You'll be fine. And sometimes you do get the opportunity to say, do you know what? Do you know how I get through the day? Do you know how I can do this? It's because I've learned take that time out at the beginning of the day just to read the bible to pray for someone else to just put the whole day into god's hands and it sounds like something where if you're adding something into your day it makes it more packed and stressful but my experience i guess is it slows it down and that is really how you see god move and that is what gives you what you lack i was thinking about the phrase two days ago we are a people of hope and that is a thing that marks us out hope excites me because there's a difference between hoping in and hoping for so like we can hope for a sunny day tomorrow and at the moment it happens all the time but usually not but if you're hoping in God and God is hope then there's something extremely foundational and concrete about it that is actually reliable so it's not a flimsy hope like I hope it's sunny but it's actually hoping in him and so this for me is sort of the big heart of the workplace how can we be the people of hope as christians on set or in our workplace we have a job to just bring the hope and the joy regardless actually my job is to keep an eye out for people who are struggling or to bring joy or to hope is something that's so much bigger than actually what happens on a day-to-day basis Mm. on the set and hope can be so transformative i think we can get so i definitely can get so caught up in all the dramas of the day-to-day of the workplace and actually, if we take a step back and say, where is hope in the situation and how can we have integrity and pursue justice and have compassion for those around us and have courage to resolve whatever problems there are? So much of that spins off from the position of having hope. So when you talk about hope, what do we actually mean? Because I think it's a phrase that can easily bounce around. But what does it actually mean? 
genuinely a very good question. I think often it it probably means a lot more than what I'm about to say, but my instinct to what you're saying is in situations where there's no hope, aka despair, or the conclusion, the natural course of action will result in a place that isn't isn't healthy. So anxiety, depression, conflict, a lack of compassion, injustice, all those situations. Um, and I think the world equates to that happening. Like our broken nature as humanity will mean that is that is the sum of the equation. As a people of hope and having hope means that through carrying the spirit, we are given the wisdom which we can freely have if we ask mm. to bring healing to situations that drastically need an injection of goodness, which I believe will mean that injustice can and will turn to justice if we partner with the spirit and pray in and also act in a way that will bring transformation and hope is a thing that means for me at least and I don't know what you think but for me that I don't think the conclusion is going to be as dire as it should be or seems like it already is oh my gosh that's literally the best explanation of hope I've ever heard in my entire life (laughs) (laughs) I mean (laughs) I just didn't see that coming (laughs) (laughs) we just want to get out of there again and just I guess we were talking about a couple of weeks ago just like address that injustice in the power of the Holy Spirit that's incredible (laughs) I think this week I've been really reminded uh, of the power of transformation and and the fact that like the gospel genuinely can change people's lives so much of revival is actually about bringing the kingdom into our context and actually what it can tangibly look like at least for me is having hope but also christ-like leadership rachel actually has an incredible colleague who is so great to learn from when it comes to leading in a jesus-centered way on my days i'm actually so pumped for this wise mate i genuinely i was thinking about the job pod and who we could get on and this person so eva and i used to work together back in the day and what inspires me about eva she has a really kick-ass job and she's had a career of years of amazing impact particularly like across Africa working closely with governments trying to get them to implement what they've promised in campaigns and like transform economies you know all massive big dreamer and huge on innovation across Africa and many other areas so like she's amazing but what really excites me about her actually is less of what she does but more who she is in the process and obviously her job's epic and I love it and it's right up my street but her character and her leadership for me have actually taught me so much. So let's have it. This is Eva, my old colleague and dear friend. Eva, it is such a treat to have you on the pod. I actually really miss working with you. Speaking with you now is making me wish that we were in the same. No, thank you so much for asking me to do this, Rachel. I really appreciate it. And it is a, a great opportunity to reconnect around stuff that's really important. Just for everyone who's listening, it might be useful to briefly hear what you do and kind of what your favorite thing is about your job. Okay, so I do a variety of things at my job, and I think that the formal title probably matters less than the the nature of the work. So essentially, I do a lot of work on developing countries, and currently what that means in the context of COVID-19, there are 
two or three strands of work. One is looking at how developing countries can face some of the tech policy challenges that they have. A second piece of work is around how do we look at the issues of equity and access with respect to COVID-19 treatments and the COVID-19 vaccine candidates that are underway. So we know that countries like the US and countries that are in the European Union are pushing hard to put money behind potential vaccine candidates to make sure that their country's populations have access. And that's mm. good and right, and they should do that. What about poor countries that don't have the same kind of financial resources? And what do we do as a global community to think about how to make sure that those countries can have access to life-saving treatments and life-saving vaccines. You're going to hate me saying this, but you have had such an influence in your career around leadership, both in terms of the teams that you manage, but also the work that you do. What is it that inspires you around leadership? Well, I think the first thing that I would say is making sure that we're on the same page in terms of what we understand leadership to be. And for me, I really do take Jesus as my model. And for me, it really is about serving others. It's not about standing out in front and being in the spotlight, although there are times in your life when that kind of leadership is important, it's required. And if it comes your way or the opportunity is there for you to use your position to make a positive difference, absolutely, that's something that you should do. But for me, being in a leadership position is really about building up others and building others into being leaders. So it really is about being the servant of all and looking at people around me and saying, what can be done to support this person to be better at what she or he is doing, to be a better version of themselves? What do I have access to that can be a benefit to someone else? Because it really is all about people. Mm -hmm. And pouring into others the best of what you have to offer and watching them really grow and take flight. So that's really how I think about leadership. And I think, you know, I've said this to you before, but it, it's really true. And I was just in a conversation with someone who was a, an intern at the place where both you and I worked. And she's she's probably 24, 25. And I, she asked me to be her mentor and I was honored to do so. It's It's really about, as someone who's on the middle-aged side of, of life and kind of hitting the, the prime of my career. For me, being a leader is about watering others, fertilizing others, turning them in the sun, pruning where necessary so that they're really growing and thriving. And then they turn around and do the same for others. Mm -hmm. So that's really how I think about leadership. It's so countercultural in so many ways, because I think often it can, leadership can be seen as the limelight Mm -hmm. and center stage and whilst as you say there are moments of that your humility in that and actually your personal I always think this with your team you're so personal with those that you work with you're, you're you appreciate that so and so is like this therefore I will engage with them in this way and let them grow in that way because that's how they've been made and mm -hmm. there's something so powerful about that personal and humble self-sacrificial approach I think that you have modeled oh that's very sweet of you Rachel thank you for saying that I don't 
I don't know if it's a lot of self-sacrifice. Maybe, maybe it is. I mean, I, I do agree with you that there is probably something counter-cultural about it. But I think in the end, if you're looking to make positive change, you can't do it by yourself, mm. number one. And if you're looking to make positive change, you need a team. Everything that happens, whether or not you see it, is usually done by a team. So yes, you have people who are standouts in history, but even those people who were standouts in history didn't do whatever the great thing was by themselves. Mm. And so it really is about building others up and multiplying the best of who you are and hopefully minimizing the worst of who you are. And I think this goes to an important point that you just made. I'm not trying to, nor do I have any interest in making people like me. No, who is Rachel and who is the best Rachel? What is the best Rachel? And how do we amplify those qualities and take what you're designed to do and build you up so that you're better equipped to able to do that thing that God has given you to do. So the guy that kept coming to our heads when we were kind of talking all this through uh, before recording was Joseph in the Bible. So a guy who was um, kind of at the top of his game, if you like, stewarding the kingdom and just so involved in leadership of the kingdom on a high level. But actually his experiences, if you sort of almost flip promotion on his head and his experiences in prison, he was still doing incredible things, influencing the kingdom and influencing people around him from prison. He was using his spiritual gifts of dream interpretation um, and caring about what other people were saying around him to impact the leadership. And I think that turns that desperate desire to be a uh, desperate desire to be promoted on its head as well. And we can have as much purpose in our careers when in a place where we're struggling and we're not being treated well uh, at the same time as being at a high level. And almost when you're saying that, the, the fact that so many of our mates and um, are unemployed or are in the middle of furlough and almost yeah. the question of, I thought I was called to great things. I thought I was called to change the world and, and have and have a massive impact and my career was going well and suddenly we're all thrown into this situation of the unknown and unstable and and it can raise up the question of calling and Joseph when he's in prison facing quite literally one of the worst situations still uses a gift that he believes God has given him freely in that setting and so I just mm. I just really want to encourage you guys basically if you are facing a bit of a position of lack of hope in your own journey that God has given you gifts and they may not be used in the way that you thought at this time, but I would encourage you still to exercise them when the context doesn't say you're in a position to have influence because you definitely are in a position to have influence. Right, we actually really need to wrap this up because we could talk about this for... <laughs> oh my gosh, we could. <laughs> have you got your Norris nugget? I do. It's a Mary Poppins quote. Bet cool, you didn't see that coming. <laughs> So Mary Poppins, I found so inspiring when I was younger. Um, but that quote, which you can probably guess, in every job that must be done, there is an element of fun. I stand by this truth across the board, whatever you're doing. But there is something about work when things are really stressful. We had a job where the content was quite difficult 
and we had a child on set the whole time and so we would just have our little rendezvous off set where I would just illegally feed him sweets it's stuff like that which just keeps it going really and um, even I guess more on a on a slightly deeper level the fun that can be found in the small moments that often come about when you pray and you say god I'd love an amazing conversation today and then you're on the way to a different location chatting to the minibus driver and he comes out with this amazing story about his family and you maybe get to share a bit about your faith and you just get off that bus and go that is what it's about so yeah I stand by in every job that must be done there is an element of fun and I'm sure God uses the fun loads right let us wrap this up for this week thanks everybody and we'll be back next week bye